This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 258. I am absolutely thrilled to bring Dominique Antilliu onto the show to talk about sophrology. Uh, or as Dominique says, sophrology. It's so much nicer in a French accent, isn't it? Uh, this is dynamic meditation and uh, Dominique has a fascinating uh, career. She started in osteopathy as her background, uh, obviously developing a passion for the mind-body connection and then moving into studying sophrology. Uh, she now teaches, educates, uh, is considered the world's leading sophrologist uh, and that in uh, normal speak is a dynamic meditation specialist and today we're going to unpack what that looks like, what it feels like, the results it can give people, and we're even going to do uh, dynamic meditation uh, live on the show. So uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I found uh, the study of sophrology fascinating as I was researching it and what uh, it it helps offer people in their toolkit for life. And I know you guys are going to enjoy that very much. So I'm going to hook into that in a little minute. But I just want to remind you, we are now towards the end of the month and you now only have a few days if you're listening to the show live to make the most of today's offer. If you're not listening live, you may want to skip or you may just want to learn about an awesome Lotox brand. So we all know that blue light is not ideal uh, in the evenings when we are trying to get those healthy melatonin levels up, to get the natural sleepiness happening, to help us stay asleep. Blue light exposure has shown time and again through so many studies now that that hinders that whole circadian rhythm uh, that we should have going on, Um, but we do not. And uh, something I find really interesting actually is when it's a full moon, our melatonin doesn't rise as much, and that is actually what contributes in part to many people experiencing sleeplessness around the full moon. How interesting is that? So it shows you that if we have more light in the evenings, even in nature, we don't do so well with our sleep. So if that's not motivation to get your blue light situation sorted, I don't know what is. Block Blue Light has 15% off for our audience and they ship internationally. So this one's for everyone. And the the code for the discount is LOTOXLIFE15. So blockbluelight.com.au and then you can pop LOTOXLIFE15 into your um, coupons or discount little box in the checkout and away you go. They have an amazing range, computer glasses for day, uh, evening glasses that fully block all blue and green light out. Uh, they have reading lights little amber um, bedside table lights that we absolutely love. Uh, We use the amber lights for the living spaces in the evening as well. But there's a light that I'm very excited about that uh, Daniel and the team have just brought out. And it is actually a light that moves through daytime uh, light spectrum, evening and then night. 
and in terms of how it blocks blue light out progressively over the day. But what you need to do to activate the different spectrums is not have smart devices, not run tons of Wi-Fi activated technology through your home. You simply, and I I honestly am just so pumped by this. I'm like a kid in a candy store with some of these new sciencey things, I swear. Um, But you switch the light on and off again, um, and sorry, off and then on again, to move into the next spectrum. So you see the sun starting to set, it's late afternoon. Switch the light off and on again if you live somewhere where you need light on during the day and then it moves you into evening lighting. And then a couple of hours later after dinner, if you're sitting down to relax, read a book, watch a show, uh, then you switch it off and on again and then it's in full uh, blue and green light um, reduction. How good is that? So it's a brand new light bulb that they have. Uh, and I have put the links to the show notes for that so that you can, um, get your hands on one or a few for the house, because I think that's just a really, really clever way to, um, have something new and technologically advanced without having some of the downsides of a new technology, such as, uh, Wi-Fi and high EMF circulating through the home. Um, so it's called the BioLite. And it is a full spectrum light. Uh, It comes in bayonet or screw and uh, doesn't contain any mercury, which I think is really important. A lot of people don't realize that the so-called eco-friendly light bulbs that are available these days uh, do. And that can be extremely dangerous if one of those guys falls or breaks on the carpet um, and cleaning it up can be, um, you know, really darn annoying. So I love this range. Uh, I think it is the lighting for the future uh, and it's really making the best of technology, but also honoring the human body and what we need through different phases of the day. Uh, I was talking about the blue light, um, the, sorry, the infrared and um, red light panels uh, last week on the show. They have a really great range of all sorts of different sizes as well that I just wanted to mention again today. If you've been thinking about getting one for mitochondrial support, for chronic inflammation, pain, etc., very, very good therapy for those situations. Um, you might want to look into the science yourself. There's plenty out there. And uh, because they're a bit more expensive, 15% off is obviously really helpful for those bigger ticket items. So just reminding you of the red light panels as well. Uh, Enjoy today's show. I hope you enjoy the dynamic meditation as much as I did doing it and listening to Dominique talk about her own personal journey into uh, discovering sophrology and then working with clients and businesses all around the world to support people's health this way. Uh, Fascinating that we can just keep uncovering all these amazing ways to heal, to feel good, uh, to feel relaxed, to calm that nervous system. And what I think is beautiful about that is I I want you to avoid confusion. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I could do that makes it confusing and therefore I won't do anything. But treat it as a curiosity, you know, find something that really resonates with you and that makes you feel good. Um, That for me is what the ticket is here. And uh, this was certainly something that I felt benefits from immediately. It was an amazing little meditation, just a couple of minutes. So enjoy the show. Hello, Dominique. How are you? Hello. Very good. And you, nice to to be here, Alex. 
How are you? (laughs) I'm great. And I'm really excited about this subject uh, because uh, there are so many different forms of meditation, different tools, techniques, technologies even these days. And uh, I, I just get so excited that the menu is broadening for ways to support people through either some of the more challenging times in their lives or as a preventative strategy for just staying resilient and uh, centered and happy. Um, and tonight we're going to learn all about what this is. So before we launch into that, I'd love to ask you first what led you to osteopathy, given that's your background, and where then sophrology sort of came into that. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, basically, sophrology came first, actually, in my personal journey. Yeah, interesting. So as a as a 15-year-old, I was uh, I'm Swiss, so I was based in Switzerland with my parents. I was playing a lot of basketball competitively, and at some point, my body started to feel extremely tired. And I had an episode where I was fainting, fainting in the street, fainting at school, and nobody was really understanding what was wrong with me. So I went to see my doctor and he discovered I had some small infections running in my body. So with no apparent reason. So he gave me some antibiotics. They they, they did all sorts of tests, but they couldn't find anything really relevant medically. And after a while seeing me so struggling, he said, I think you need to see a sophrologist. And at 15, I had never done any therapy. I had never spoken to anyone about my inner life and how I felt and um, I decided to give it a go because I was really desperately trying to get my energy back to be able to do what I liked which was basketball and uh, so I started this journey uh, with this sophrologist in my hometown. Uh, Sophrology was already well known at the time in, in Switzerland and she gave me a set of very simple exercises to practice uh, based on relaxation, breathing, visualization and movement. And uh, she recorded her voice on a tape, um, a cassette, you know, at the time. Yeah. And she, she said, uh, go home and practice this for, um, for, for 10 minutes or 12 minutes a day, which I did. And within five weeks, seeing her weekly and, and practicing uh, daily, I completely transformed my health. Like these infection just cleared. Um, my sleep was much deeper. I was no longer exhausted and um, I had no fainting episode. And I think I understood how much stress I was carrying at that time inside myself without even knowing about it. Um, and that's what led me to sophology um, to, to not only be physically better, but feeling completely empowered from, um, from being in the driving seat of my life. I realized, okay, there's something inside ourselves that can help us deal with daily life and, 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 and be more and feel more in control. Yeah. Mm. And then um, it's so, then sorry, this, I, I just, yeah, I, sorry, just based on what you said there. I was obviously carrying a lot of stress that I didn't understand that I was. And it just makes me think it's so common, isn't it? And perhaps because the speed with which we live our lives and the um, intensity of the goal setting that happens at a much younger age now, uh, 
we normalize stress because it's normal. We therefore don't see that there might be some red flags. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, yeah, exactly. I think we miss those red flags because often we ourselves are not fully aware of what they are. So we miss them on our children. And I think that's what happened in my family. I think there were very little conversation around how I feel today or um, not because my parents meant bad, but because they, they hadn't been brought up in that way and they didn't have the awareness. And, uh, and I think, you know, I was showing probably sign being quite unhappy since a while, but I think um, because nobody picked it up and because I wasn't aware that life could be actually different or, or that I could live this life in a different way, then it's my body who suddenly started to fail and, and, and show me, look, there's an issue here. You have to look inside yourself and try to work this out. Otherwise, you're going to ruin your health. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so this was a very, um, very useful experience, although it was a painful one to, to go through not knowing what's going on and having a certain anxiety about nobody could help me at, at, for, for a few months but then thanks god I did that experience because I think it's the foundation of everything I, I do today yeah yeah and you looked outside for so long to get the help you needed and it turns out it was within you that the help existed exactly and I mm. I think I had no concept of this within you you know I think I for the first time through and a practice, I listen to my breath and I realize, oh, there's a rhythm inside my body that I can connect to. Oh, okay, my body has a certain weight that I can feel when I'm sitting on a chair or when I'm standing and doing an exercise with my body, I can, I can feel a rush of blood to my head or I can, although I was a sports person, you know, it shows how disconnected you can be from your inner life and from your body, even if you're, if you should be the most connected one, because you're, you're in your body most of the time, you know, playing basketball requires a, a great amount of awareness of where your arms are in space. And when you run and the awareness. So I, I think I, I didn't have that, that awareness at all. Yeah. Interesting. And so did you ever think then as you became a late teenager, perhaps thinking about what you're going to study after school, if you're going to study at all, um, was sophrology very much in the picture or did you see that as a personal tool and then you had to get a real career kind of thing? Yes, exactly. I do. So I wanted to become a veterinary or a doctor. I was always attracted to, um, you know, working with people. I loved people and understanding how they function and their stories I was always fascinated by by that aspect of 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 being in contact with others um, and of course sophrology to me was a hobby or a therapy or something I was fascinated by but it was not a real job yeah um, because it didn't require to go to university and uh, for me in the way I had been brought up first you go to university and then and then you find a job or you know like a proper job yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so um so I read many books around uh, health I I met with a lot of health 
very early on, actually, at 16, 17, I was really looking for what is it I want to do. So I was lucky to meet with people in a hospital during summer and, and looking at their different career there in the hospital. And I realized there's so many machines there and there's so little time to actually talk to people. And already that struck me as something that was a bit imbalanced because um, I realized that I wanna be near to people. I wanna have more time, yeah? So, um, so then I, 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 I received this book on osteopathy, actually, and I started to read that book. And um, I love the aspect of um, that there is a sort of little mystery in the body that you can work with, that there is this amazing vitality that's, that is, makes us alive. And that if you, yes, there are cells and, and, and science explains most of this beautiful functioning in an amazing way, but there's still a lot that we don't know about the body and how we can heal and why the body always go back to balance, no matter the body always tried this homeostasis that we have in the body. It's actually a force that always brings the body uh, back to a sense of balance and um, and I was fascinated by that capacity of, 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 of bringing things to balance all the time. And I wanted to know more how we can, how we can help the body to support itself. And um, so that's why I chose to go into osteopathy, because I felt that perhaps with my hand, I would discover more about this mystery of how things work in the body. And uh, so I went to England and studied at the European School of Osteopathy. And, um, and it was a fascinating time to, you know, to start this dialogue with my hand and the body and, and learn about the science and, and of the body. Yeah. Brilliant. And did you then end up integrating sophrology at some point? Uh, because I'd imagine you would have been working with your hands, doing manipulations, et cetera, massage, and then thinking, hold on, they need more. That I need to bring that into this. Totally. Um, after that, um, as soon as I finished my studies um, of osteopathy, I went back to Switzerland, and the first thing I did, I enrolled as um, a student in sophrology. So I think I had done so much sophrology by then, between 15 and like 20 I had used, I had gone through the 12 level of the practice and dive really deep and done a lot of self-development um, through my, my, my mainly this therapeutic relationship I had with this mentor I had found at 15. And um, so then I went on to study uh, for four years in a, like a part-time to become a sophologist. And I was very lucky to study with the founder of sophology, Alfonso Caicedo in Spain, yeah? And, um, and then for many years, I used sophology as a hobby. So I was give, giving um, sessions to people, but just because I loved it and I was holding groups in my hometown, just, just as a side thing from my real job, yeah, which was being an osteopath. And then at some point I realized the limit of what an osteopath can do after 10 years. I think you can do as much as you're able to be aware of in, in your client journey and as much as your client is ready to put in as, as an, a little effort, you know, a, or, or his part into the journey, yeah? 
Um, and with some people, they can do more of that part and some people can do less because they maybe don't have the awareness or they don't know where mm. to start. Well, so and, often, you know, you think yeah. I'm coming onto your table, you're going to fix me and then I'm yeah. going to leave better. It's, exactly. it's, it's a That's metaphoric, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a metaphoric <laughs> pill. It's just a different type of pill mentality-wise, exactly. though, right? It's happening totally. out there. And it's someone else from the outside that's fixing. Yes, Mm. exactly. It's totally that. And I think I became um, aware of the limit of that, that, that aspect and wanted to work with people who perhaps had had, were willing to invest a bit more in their health and understand how they could support themselves in between the sessions. And therefore, because of my journey and because of how I discovered how I could look after myself and the depths at which we can impact our own um, body and our own mind to sophology, it made sense to become that person that people come and see to get that knowledge rather than, you know, rather than fixing bodies, which, which, which I don't believe in because people actually don't are not fixed by a sofa, uh, an osteopath. Their body is, um, is uh, supported, so they their body do the changes, yeah? But I think it's psychologically can, yes. it can look like this, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the founder? How special that you yeah. were able to study with him? Yeah, yeah. He was an, an amazing um, man, you know. Uh, he was called Dr. Alfonso Caicedo. And um, he was um, a Colombian uh, doctor, but that lived all his life in Spain. And um, in the back in the sixties, when he was a very young neuropsychiatrist, he was he was in Madrid in a hospital, and he was witnessing all the harsh treatment that were given to um, a psychiatric patient. Yeah, and he said. Um, you know, electric shock, insulinic comas, like they were using really like quite violent things, you know, to help people. And he said, there must be a way that we can help those people and help consciousness to to be in, in a better state of harmony without having to go through these procedures um, and, and losing some of the health through through that as well, yeah? So he, he went on to that journey of, of understanding more how consciousness works, um, consciousness being that um, quite magical part of ourselves that even science at these days doesn't fully grasp or has even, even started to grasp, but that really allows us to be aware and be functioning in the world we are in. And that connects our thoughts, with our bodies, with our emotion, um, and with the experience we do in, in everyday life. And uh, so how can we understand how consciousness works when it's healed with a psychiatric disease, for example, or how consciousness looks like in a monk or in a yogi that has got 30 experience of practicing ancient technique. So, um, so that was his, his kind of study that he did. And so he inspired himself through traveling to India and Japan and uh, Tibet for, for three years with his wife as a, a neuroscientist and as a, as a psychiatrist. 
and drew from all these different practices and mixed it with his Western knowledge of science, of relaxation, of hypnosis, of um, and to, to combine all these tools into something that's useful for the Western world and for that, that modern life we live in and that is full of often stress and uncertainties and, and how can we use these practices and adapt them to have a, a sort of toolkit mm. for, for modern life and to take care of our mental well-being, yeah? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so you mentioned systems and I think there were 12 levels. You mentioned that mm -hmm. in passing earlier. Could we do a bit of a Sophrology 101 where we, we talk about some of that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, when he looked into what are the modalities that makes consciousness, um, he decided to put them into 12 um, stages in a way. So the first stage is the body. So how do I know I exist? And the, 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 the first thing is because I have a body, because I'm, I can see my body, I can feel my body, I can ground in my body, I can... Take, I can learn from what I feel in my body. I can transform the way I feel. Um, I, can, I can notice sensation, but I can also cultivate positive sensation if I decide to, yeah? So the first level of sophology is all about diving into very simple exercises uh, based on the breath, based on movement, based on visualization that will help you become much more connected to the sensation you have in your body and the awareness of your body through your daily life, yeah? Because a lot of us only listen to the body like I did at 15 where suddenly things go wrong, yeah? Yeah, but yeah. Do we, do we ever listen for the nice and the pleasant sensation in the body <laughs> and the empowering sensation no, in the body, yeah? we don't. We, yeah, we, we don't have time. <laughs> what's that? Or you feel a little heartbeat, you know, an extra one, you think, why am I having palpitations? It's often quite a negative thing when we feel body sensations, because we're, exactly. as you say, not really tapping into nor cultivating the positive ones. Yes. Mm. So that's the first step, knowing uh, to listen to your body. And, and then, you know, that's a wonderful stress management tool, because if you feel your shoulder are I hang uh, from the ceiling, then you know, okay, I'm stressed here. I have to breathe out. I have to relax. And, and that's how you prevent burnout. That's how you becoming aware of all these signs that we, we constantly receive through body awareness and we, we ignore because we, we don't even know they're there. Yeah. So, um, and, and then the second level is about the mind. So we all know we would like to have a calm mind and be able to meditate and uh, be that Zen person. But actually when we sit down, most of us have all this stuff happening in the mind and often we feel guilty about it or we feel that we shouldn't think like that or we fight with it or we try to ignore it. And actually starting to understand uh, what the mind feels like and how you can start to focus it in a different way to gain perspective on certain uh, problems that are um, coming to you and being able to use the positive resources of your mind first before wanting to calm it. How can I engage with my mind through, through 
meditative practice, through movement, through visualization. And those two levels then makes the foundation of level three, which is becoming a little bit more meditative. And because you now know where your body is and how it feels and you have a better understanding of what the mind is about, then you're able to become that observer of your experience. And uh, that's, that's what meditation teaches. So sophology in a way is that bridge between modern world and this agitation we live on a daily basis and this possibility to become the observer and the explorer of our consciousness, but in a, in a, in a way that's maybe made much more simple uh, and that is a bit more structured so you don't just are here with uh, eyes closed and silence and then perhaps struggle to, you know, to, to know what to do, yeah, or mm. not to do, yeah? Yeah. So, and, and I'll just go to level four before, before ben, perhaps you stop me because otherwise we'll be there until tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's good to at least learn some of the early levels so that people get more of an idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, so level four is about these value systems. So, you know, one thing that structures our being and our consciousness is being able to uh, know what we value in life as an individual. Do you value your family? Do you value um, nature? Do you value religion? Do you value, um, you know, whatever, travel, communication, adventure, adventure, money, success? What is is it that you value personally? Yeah. And sophrology doesn't tell you what to value. It's a very, it's an organic exploration that happens through a practice uh, being guided and you learn to find out these important value that structures uh, your consciousness and 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 having found that and knowing how to use them to direct yourself in daily life is actually of huge value in, in this modern world because we are constantly bombarded with think we should think or, sh- or we should do a decision to make and I think knowing who you are and where you belong in your heart then is is then helping you to deal with all these things that come your way and 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 feeling confident and have a good self-esteem in many situations yeah because you Mm -hmm. know who you are yeah Mm. and are we allowed to ask you what the 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 mac daddy end level is Yeah, of course. Any, I'm here for that. So I'm happy to share. So once you get to the next uh, level, level five onwards, uh, it's really about deepening the journey of awareness through exercise, but also through the sound of your voice. So we use different voice techniques because what we want to become more aware of is energy. Yeah. So basically, initially, there's the shape of the body, there's this experience of the mind, but after all, we are energy, yeah? So how can we um, discover more of who we are through um, a deeper awareness of the body, of the mind and perception? So basically we go through this whole uh, journey. We, we do different um, practices, sometimes standing. We, we do walking meditation to look at the world like if, if it's the first time. It's, it's almost like a bit of a deconditioning of all the, the stuff we you know, we see a tree, we think it's a tree, and then we directly associate 
um, this with something we know, yeah? Can we look at the world in a different way? Can we look at ourselves um, in a meditative state, trying to really suspend your judgment on, on not only on yourself, but on other people, on objects around you. So there's meditation where you open your eyes and you look at an object, for example, and you look at this object like if it's the first time. And, and actually, when you do that in a meditative state, there's tons of information that you had never thought about this cup on my table. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a guided journey through consciousness. Uh, through sound, through movement, but with different angles of, of intention uh, for object around you, for people around you, for uh, how you feel your body in greater depth. And, 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 and once you've done that inner journey, the, the last three levels, it's about taking all that journey and, and kind of opening your eyes and seeing the world like if it's the first time, all, almost like you've done all this internal world and, and then you're kind of rebirthing from, from that and, and you're, you're looking at the world like if it's the first time. So the last level, you open your eyes and you work with a friend, for example, and you, you look at this friend like if it's the first time and everybody's in a meditative state and... And you, you, you discover amazing thing is actually sometimes very emotional because that's when you realize all the depths I have inside myself, other people have got the same. And somewhere in the middle, we meet in our humanity. And, mm. and it's, it's actually very difficult. We're able to find to, our overlaps almost. And yeah. Yeah. Which is a completely yeah intuitive experience. I cannot mm. explain this in rational world word because um, the whole work of sophrology is a phenomenological work, which means we're not trying to analyze our experience. Mm. We are diving into this meditative state, and everything we experience is is what we note, and there's little to actually comment or analyze on. But the simple fact that we are doing that experience expands our awareness and will change the way we look at life and will make us more true to who we are and will make us more authentic and will make us more at peace with ourselves and the world around us, no matter what the world looks like. Because after, actually, this is our decision at the end of the day. How do I want to look at this person? Um, this problem. This is my decision. I can see all the difficult stuff and acknowledge it, but I can also maybe open a new possibility of looking at this with my true value that I, I have chosen, for example. You know, if I, I, I try to see my parents through the eyes of love, how do they look like? Yeah. If I try to see my neighbor through the eyes of, of compassion or or, you know, that, 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 that's your choice at the end of the day. And how does it feel like? And how does it look like? And it allows you to make that experience in a safe space. You know, I think these are like deeper. It's a bit like if you're a yogi, you're not working on that on the first session. So actually most people practice the level one, two and three of sophrology or level four. And then those who are really into a a self-discovery journey of a deeper journey than we'll, we'll go through the deeper journey, yeah? But for, for daily life, for the stress management aspect, for 
dealing with your anxiety, your sleep, um, tackling modern life issue, a, a good five session of level one will actually be enough for you. Yeah, so I don't mm-hmm. want to scare people. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah, so timeline-wise, is, is sophrology something that you need to do with a therapist or uh, is it a set of techniques and tools that you can learn and then take away yourself? Yes, uh, so you can do both, actually. You can, we've got online courses, we've got video, we've got short recordings that you can do on the go for 10 minutes. Usually we say, if you practice 10 minutes a day, you're going to start to see changes into issues that you want to solve, like the stress management aspect, for example, of modern life. Um, if if you decide to, to and, and usually if you do that for two weeks uh, and you repeat these 10 minutes a day, you really start to see a shift in, in your physiology and in the way you deal with your problem. Um, but then if you, of course, want to do a deeper journey, um, from level three onward, I think it's nice to have I, I, either a well-structured course or to do it with um, a sophologist. Yeah, but uh, but my own my whole angle through my through Bisofro, which is my my consultancy, is really to make sophology accessible and make it meaningful for the issue or what people have in in mod, in these modern day yeah because before you can really talk about your value and uh, look at the world through the eyes of love i think there are often much more pressing issue that you need to solve so to be able to access that yeah yeah so and what, that, that's what i love yeah. about what you're saying there's a there's a realism aspect to sophrology yes. uh it's not about um transcending it's actually about connecting more. And to do that, we we actually do have to deal with the things that are right in front of us. Um, yeah, mm. exactly. I so agree because these things are the opportunity yeah, for us to transform. And I think we have to start where we can start and where we're comfortable to start. And I think some people like to practice sophology lying down because they're exhausted and they are they need recuperation and perhaps all they can do at this point is to lie in their bed and use the breath and start to connect with the awareness of the body and understand how they can transform the way they feel yeah Mm. or um, use an exercise a standing exercise to shift an anxious state because they are about to do a speech and they want to prepare for a competition. So they need uh, to visualize um, the outcome of this competition and, and they will therefore use sophology to empower themselves um, for a presentation, a competition, an exam. And, um, and so we are very, you know, there's, there's both journey, I suppose. It's like with anything you can, you, you, yeah, you, there's, there's always, it's how you're gonna use it that's, and that, that's the beauty of sophology is that there is that depth in mm. the practice, in the philosophy, but there's also that aspect that is very therapeutic, very uh, a toolkit for modern life. And uh, yeah, so yeah. that's uh, fascinating. Mm. And so do is sophrology inv- individualized for patient care or for the scenario at hand when someone comes to you? Or is it a system of exercises 
Uh, I know you've alluded to the levels and what each of them is, but I'd imagine that as a sophrologist, you would have a huge toolkit uh, to prescribe and tailor as someone might need at that particular time in their life or with their own capacity to connect and have self-awareness. Exactly. I think it's it's both, actually. It's, okay. uh, as a sophrologist, you learn the 12 level and how to guide people through to an experience of in consciousness. Um, I, I think that you could know nothing about a person and take them through this journey and different parts of the sophology practices, and then they would report the change that has that is happening on in their life. Yeah. Or you could listen to someone in a one-to-one tailored uh, session. And that person could tell you about an issue they suffer with. And as a sophologist, you would tailor uh, either the exercise from the 12 level that is um, the most uh, efficient for that client that day. But we also have 54 different protocols that we learn as sophologists that are specifically tailored for different issues, like how to prepare for an event, how to help people go back to sleep when they wake up, how to uh, transform their perception of pain, how to deal with the tinnitus or so, yeah. So basically, yeah, that's the job of the sophrologist to look into their toolkit and adapt it to, um, to the patient's need, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, it's, I, I've heard you refer to it as a dynamic meditation. What exactly does that mean? So I think um, Alfonso Caicedo, he called it dynamic relaxation. That was the other word to define sophology. And because it's a state of relaxation, you dive in when you close your eyes, that's the initial step. And it can be a very relaxed state or a middle relaxed state where you can actually stand and feel relaxed when you stand. And it's dynamic because we are truly looking for uh, making a change into consciousness, uh, which means that we are looking to strengthen inner resource of that person. We're looking for um, um, changing their, their perception uh, we're looking to um, transform uh, someone into somebody that's more able to see the positive. We, we, we are not deciding in advance what it is that they're going to transform into. We, we're giving them the, this toolkit and we know that if they apply this 10 minutes a day, something in their consciousness state is going to change. But they are very much in charge of the, the process by what they report. Yeah. So basically it's a dynamic process that we give them. It's not only a relaxation technique where you're recuperating and you're balancing your nervous system. We are actively looking to bring more harmony into the state of consciousness. And that's the whole work of Caicedo. It's to dynamically, um, and, and then I think the press in the UK, we've had a, a lot of article here uh, when the, my book came out and somebody mentioned dynamic meditation. And actually, uh, I thought this was an interesting way of describing it because most people now know what meditation is. Um, 
but often we have the picture that meditation is something you do sitting with cross leg with your back straight in silence and it looks very still yeah and sophrology when you compare it, it it's not that still it's actually the level one for example is a lot of standing work um lot of very simple exercise where you combine your breath with a movement or a visualization and you're actively um, working with yourself so it's a much more dynamic process in certain way than than traditional meditation Mm -hmm. and dynamic in the sense that you're doing it for yourself someone's not just doing it to you you're not a passive member of the experience yeah, and I, and I don't think that actually meditation, if you compare it, is a passive, you're not passive at all, yeah? Oh, I think no, 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 I meant more dynamic in the therapy style rather than in comparison to, to meditation, sorry. My, yes, yeah. yes, I, yes, yes, exactly. I think you, yeah, you become the, the explorer of your own, self-development you become that person that is given some tool and then is going to discover new amazing resource inside yourself and in that way you are very you you become in the driving seat of your life yeah like like me I've, at 15 you know that's what i i can summarize it the best it's um you you have this tool where suddenly you feel a bit more in control of everything and that you have a sense that you know you, you become the actor of, of everyday's life rather than being overwhelmed or being um, passively waiting for help to come to you. You're looking yeah. to, to get that inside yourself, yeah? Yeah, and I think through the disconnection, through the busyness and the intensity of pace of modern life, we can easily become negative biased victim mentality it's very easy to then pass the buck make excuses be less accountable and completely give your power away but in doing that um also giving away your potential um totally have you uh can you share maybe an exercise even could we maybe even do one now uh that is um specifically uh or cultivating the optimistic mindset? Yeah. So, for example, often what we do in sophrology is that we start to simply connect with the awareness of the body. And before, and, and, and just notice, do I have a tension somewhere in my body? Is there a place that's perhaps tighter or where my muscles are a bit tense? Or is there a thought in my mind that is recurrent and I'd like to be able to let go. And usually we, we do that, we identify this to a very simple body scan where we're either sitting or standing and we're listening, we're guided to listen different parts of the body. And then what we, the second part of the, the initial part of the practice is really about trying to shift that awareness to a different place yeah so through a move for example we have one move that's called the pump where you stand and you clench your fists and with eyes closed into a relaxed state you're gonna inhale hold your breath and then pump your shoulders up and down until you need to exhale again and once you exhale 
you relax your arms, you relax your fists, and you take a moment to simply listen to the sensation in your body and what is, what is happening when I do that, when I connect. And once you know how to do the move, you can use that move to shift, uh, for example, anger, you know? For example, how do you process anger? You know, you, and you, you have someone calling you and at the end you, you feel angry about not be, having been heard or uh, not being able to, um, you know, to solve something or you have a frustration and usually we get on with our day and we just don't listen. And it's only when we finally lying down in bed in the evening that we start to think about all these people we should have told this or, you know, and we have this ruminating mind that starts, yeah? So doing a movement like the pump could actually help you on the go to process and to become aware, I have this frustration in my body now, I'm just going to acknowledge it and then perhaps see if I do some moves and let go with me, my out breath, can I actually shift that? And as soon as you bring awareness to that, things shift naturally. It's, it's, it's almost magical because we never stay stuck in an emotion. Emotions are transient and they just, as soon as you become aware and you let space to those emotions, they shift, yeah? And, and, then, and then you could sit down and end up your little uh, sophrology guided session with a visualization of perhaps something you'd like to achieve this week. Um, maybe it's, um, as we said, it's, it's a success you're trying to achieve at your work or it's a state of mind for meeting a person that you, you have a bit of anxiety about and how can you perhaps visualize this time together in the most positive way, yeah? And, and starting to teach your brain to look at things differently because the brain doesn't know what's real or what is a construction of your um, imagination. So if you regularly visualize a positive outcome to a situation after a while your brain will start to believe it's real and when you're faced with the situation your experience of it will be very different than if you hadn't prepared for it mm. so this is how how you can prepare for anything in life and be ready for your interview and and and, and or be ready for a difficult conversation because perhaps you want to cultivate a sense of calm through that conversation because you know you will have the tendency to become angry for example and um, and that's how you can then prepare yourself and become more mindful of each experience because you you let the stress aside and you you are able to be more present with that person or with that emotion and so that's that's a very short uh, taster that for example we 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 could do yeah yeah, I, I love mean, it. Perhaps not now, but uh, on another day. <laughs> and then can you can you just so I get it right? So we're breathing in and then we're when we're pumping the shoulders, is our breath held? Held. We until hold the it just becomes a little bit uncomfortable to do so and then you let everything go. And then you exhale through the mouth. <sighs> Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you oxygenate your brain a lot. Mm. So most people who are highly stressed, they don't breathe enough. So they don't have enough oxygenation in the whole body. So they feel tired. Yeah. Uh, so that way you change the oxygenation level of your brain. 
um, that way you're moving your body and therefore you, you're connecting to the present moment because when you are in your body and you're listening to the warmth or to your heart rate beating or uh, through tingling down your arms, you can't at the same time think about your supermarket list or mm. what you didn't do yesterday, yeah? Yeah. So that work of being very aware to very simple moves and breaths teaches you to be in the present moment, to be in your body, to be present, to feel what you feel right now rather than being lost in your mind, yeah, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah, got it. Um, and back to positive, well, continuing with positivity and cultivating that, it's been a very interesting 17 months and there are so many mixed emotions, whether someone feels that we should have locked down, whether we shouldn't have locked down, whether we should have had vaccines, whether we shouldn't, you know, there's so much conflict around a pandemic. Uh, just as there was in 1918, you see the same conflicts playing out now. And I, I therefore have a huge amount of compassion for simply everyone because uh, it's, it's tough. And however you're feeling, you're feeling strongly. And I think that is really what the commonality is. Uh, it is tough for everyone, no matter how you think this should or shouldn't be playing out. And, um, you know, many countries have lifted curfews, uh, have ditched the lockdowns now. They're just like, well, stuff it. We can't go on like this this way. So we're actually going to have to open up society again. And, and uh, you know, there can be a huge amount of excitement, but there can be some trepidation, I'd imagine, too. They would, you would be at the forefront of hearing about people's experiences re-entering a, a free and, uh, you know, exciting um, time. Um, but unfortunately, that can be anxious. Uh, you can be anxious in that. Um, maybe people have become so used to being at home that they're now uncomfortable socialising with strangers. And it's almost like you have to relearn some things. Can we talk a little bit about um, the chronic stress that has arisen from this prolonged pandemic time? And uh, as a sophrologist, what you believe some of the best things we could be working on doing, um, using as, as simple exercises and empowerment tools every day to feel empowered, even in a very ever-evolving, ever-changing time? Yes, I think I, I completely agree that we all have had for once a common experience, like the whole planet uh, almost has experienced some degree of disruption, some very disruptive, some less, but I, there's a common theme there. And um, yeah, I think, you know, putting anyone into a bit more of a loneliness um, time where you can't connect with the people you love and have a, a network is so uncomfortable for a human being because by essence I think we are we are meant to connect with other people to function in our consciousness and I think that um, yes there, there is um, a fear often now uh, to meet new people but but I think it's okay to, um, I think it's acknowledging that fear. It's, 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 it's being not too 
it's not thinking that we need to be perfect to meet other people. I think because we've all had this common experience, the person you're going to meet has his, his own story about the pandemic. And everybody's got this story of fear, perhaps, or um, of loss or of uncertainty. Or, and I think it's, it's meeting people on, on, on the basis of that other people will also have this, this narrative in their mind. And therefore, it's okay to, to bring this narrative into the connection and that we, we shouldn't wait until we feel ready to go out, you know, it's almost like, okay, can I, even if I have some resistance of meeting someone today, maybe I should just accept to go through the experience and, and see what comes from that, even if the experience is initially quite hard, because I think as soon as you make that connection with the other one, um, you, you change your perception and there's something that will will bring some sort of balance that you you have forgotten as well during that time because you because most of us have felt lonely yeah so I, I i think i think we should yes listen to some of our resistance and not push beyond if it's impossible of course but i think for those who who can still function it's normal to have to do a little effort to change the pattern again the same way we had to change the pattern to stay at home all the time. Like how many people did struggle with this initially? Yeah. So I think we have to complete that process and do the movement of going out again in the same way we, we were forced to stay in or we felt forced to stay in. Yeah. So so I think trusting that our human nature will will know how to connect again. So um so I think um yeah and I think in terms of what what people people experience as a sophologist. I, I see this a lot, you know, in our practice at the moment, but, but that people are anxious and um, are worried about the future and how they're gonna spend their summer now and uh, or the winter for you, yeah? And um, because there's so much uncertainty. But I think for me, it's, it's really a time of perhaps of collective awakening somehow I don't think we're gonna ever go back to the world we had before pandemic. You know, I am more in favor of thinking, okay, we've done all this work for a year and a half. We've all gone through so much. Can we learn from this? And can we start to recreate something that moves in towards growth? Yeah. And 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 can we actually, yes, go back to some of our necessary habits, but can we also learn from that time and maybe decide that certain things we're not, no longer gonna do in the same way? And that's actually okay, not to want to do exactly the same as before, because maybe being curious about what else there is to experience, maybe there's an, another way of living that, that we can explore now that we are out of this um, some of us COVID time or lockdown yeah so you know having that explorer mind and really listening to what is it that you really want and and not you know not trying to get exactly to where the person you were before because you're no longer that person this is this is gone you know this is the past and if, what happened yesterday no longer is yeah and all we have is is now and what we're gonna build for the future yeah yeah so um 
And and so I'm just thinking about scenarios and if you've been at home a lot in the last year and in many countries that's a reality, um, could you have been a really extroverted social person and then all of this time at home you could actually start using labels and changing your labels for yourself and saying, well, actually, it turns out I'm really introverted, but actually it's just that you're not um, getting your soul food in the same way during that time and it's about reconnecting to that part of you that um, that um, thrives off connecting deeply with others. Yeah, uh, and I think that's why my initial advice is to try it at least, yeah, <laughs> to try to reconnect and not discount the fact that we are, we are animals that like to connect. So even if we have resistance, it's actually normal. And I think going through that little connection again with people and taking it slowly and but 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 force ourselves to reconnect, even if we have resistance, is key in, in understanding where we stand as an individual. Because I think very rapidly we will be faced with a sense of joy of reconnecting beyond the fear. And, um, and that joy is a sign that uh, we are on the right path as an individual, yeah? And if we're not, and if we're reconnecting and this doesn't happen, then there are other questions to ask. And perhaps, perhaps we have shifted, perhaps we no longer want to be with the same circle of people mm. because our mm. values have shift. Or, you know, there's so many options there, but I think we have to try to to give ourselves the time to look into this and not wanting to rush it and, and, and give ourselves the, the space to explore, to explore how we feel and to explore and go out there and note, how did I feel after having lunch with that friend and uh, what did it bring me and what did it not bring me and what do I need? And all these questions, I think we need to carry on asking them, yeah? Yeah, and I think it could be uh, a really important part of, as you were saying before, what might need to change in like looking ahead. And you've had this introspective time where you've been alone a lot more. Um, could we use that connection to the self and the being more in tune with our values maybe all that wonderful sophrology work that we've been doing in the pandemic if people have been. And I know you have so many fantastic videos just on your Instagram free that people can connect to um, and you do that work, uh, then it stands to reason that some things might fall away um, from before and you might want to gravitate towards new things. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think those who are fortunate to be able to think like that means that, you know, there is a huge amount of resilience within themselves and they've been able to use this pandemic in their own benefits of, in a way. Um, I think there's unfortunately also a lot of people that cannot think like that at this time because life has been so difficult financially or um, you know, of having gone through huge loss or health issues that for the time being, they, they are truly struggling with their health and they are on a, on a different journey and trying to mend the peace together and trying to get some sort of 
you know of healing from from the trauma of this this time yeah so i think as you said at the beginning there's so many different different experience um, and every individual uh, has has his own experience of the pandemic and i think it's very difficult to generalize but yeah but I, but i as humanity i'm looking at how kaisedo the founder of sophology looked looked to consciousness and how consciousness evolves over time that we are not the same person than 20 years ago we're no longer in the 80s now it's a different time we have this question of, around climate there are there, there's so many new questions that we are we have to answer as a, a human race that i i really strongly feel that this this is an opportunity to rethink um, and this pandemic is showing maybe that common experience we all have to do is because there's there's a common bigger experience that we have to shift towards as well as human beings and saving our planet and and changing the way we we live and changing the way we think so we can yeah we can avoid these these all these these things and repair the inequalities and the, so I, i really think there's something much much deeper at play and mm. the pandemic for me it's a, it's just an iceberg you know the top of the iceberg but yeah a catalyst you know, I think, of thoughts yes there, mm. there's something much deeper going on i'm not exactly sure what but that's how i feel yeah how, yeah yeah i think a lot of us do So to finish up, can we do another little exercise, but we actually do one and yeah. people can follow along? Okay, cool. So if you're driving, please don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because, yep. uh, yeah, very, very important drive. to say that. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're going to do a, an exercise that involves relaxation and we don't want to be, yeah, we want to be safe to do that, be at home or be sitting at your desk at work. Um, so... Let, let's go to a very, so how long do we have, Alex? Uh, a few minutes. A few minutes. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's do a little body scan to start with. Then we're going to do a head rotation as we're sitting. I'll guide you. So we're just going to rotate the head to the right and to the left as we hold the breath. Mm -hmm. And we're going to finish with a, a mini visualization of something positive we want to experience in the coming days yeah i like okay. it let's do it okay thank you so um if you find a really comfy position in your seat or in your sofa your 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 back can really lean and your body allowing the body to relax with perhaps the feet on the floor i'm just taking a moment to notice the presence of your breath where your breath is at this point, is it more in the abdomen or is it more in the chest? And let's take a moment to really relax your face and perhaps unclench your teeth. Becoming aware of the shoulders, allowing the shoulders to relax. Let's become aware of the arms, the hands, Notice the presence of the chest and the abdomen. 
inviting your back perhaps to relax to Let's notice the presence of the pelvis and where your buttocks touch the seat. Let's notice the presence of the legs and the feet relaxing perhaps. And as you sit here and now we're gonna take a moment to focus on what you feel into your head and your face as you move. So let's simply exhale with the mouth to empty your lungs. You exhale, very good. And inhale with your nose. Hold your breath and gently turn your head from side to side whilst you hold your breath until you feel you need to exhale, of course. Don't force anything. When you're ready, you just exhale through your mouth. Now you simply pause and just be attentive to what you feel around your face, around your cheeks, inside your head. Can you feel a sensation? If you can't, that's fine. There's nothing to succeed at in sophology. Let's do it again. We exhale with the mouth. We inhale with the nose. We hold the breath and very gently we turn the head from side to side and letting being really attentive to the space your head feels your neck as it turns and when you're ready, you exhale through your mouth. Now pause and relax and just listen to what sensations are arising. Maybe heat, maybe a change in your breath. Perhaps can you spot a place in your body that's a little bit more relaxed, perhaps at this point in time? If not, that's no problem. And when you think about your day-to-day -day and the coming days, what is the inner resource that you'd like to cultivate or be more aware of, perhaps something like calm or confidence or joy or strength or vitality. Just find a word perhaps that represents something positive you'd like to connect with. And now as you are uh, perhaps aware of that word. And if you haven't found a word, that's fine. Just go with the flow. Try to picture yourself <clears throat> in the coming days in one situation that perhaps you can enjoy, a, mom a happy moment that you'd like to create for yourself. Could be something really simple as 
taking a nice bath or talking to a friend or just something really nice you'd like to give yourself or to experience for yourself. Try to visualize that on your inner screen, perhaps seeing yourself in that positive situation of your choice. you're struggling with the exercise there's always a moment where you can inhale tense your body and then exhale to just relax and then just go back to that word you've chosen earlier perhaps confidence or joy or calm and you can just breathe that in and out a few times Breathing in that confidence, breathing out that confidence, and then letting go of your images for now. And remember where you are, the presence of your body here on this chair, on this sofa. Maybe you wanna move your shoulders a little bit or stretch your arms to very, very slowly come back to a usual state of awareness without rushing, <clears throat> maybe inhaling, exhaling, moving until you're ready to open your eyes again. Take your time, Alex. <laughs> it's hard to do a show and do sophology at the same time. <laughs> uh, I've done a few live meditation snippets over the years, but um, and I always do find it a little bit like, oh, okay, so now I'm going to wrap up the show. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. What a great little exercise. Yeah, it's really simple. It doesn't take long. And I think <clears throat> even with something as small as that, you can shift the whole day, yeah, mm. because you know, imagine you start your day like this, um, yeah. even if you do it in your beds and, you know, you'll, you'll have your intention set in a different way. Yeah. Mm. And, and so maybe we could issue that as a bit of an experiment. You said two weeks earlier in the show, didn't you, for people to really yes. start noticing some change? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or even less. Some of my clients takes three days, you know, some it takes longer. I say two weeks to be on the safe side because I want people <laughs> to repeat yes. and I want to, you know, and I'm sure, you know, every practice has got an impact on your consciousness. You've just oxygenated your body. You've just uh, slowed down your brainwave. Uh, you've just trained your ability to focus, to concentrate. Uh, you've, you know, you've done a lot in a very short time. And that's enough to, to shift some stuff in your biology and make a change in your brain. Mm. There's, there's already a change that has happened so imagine if you do that every day and then things really start to change in your mm. physiology and in the way you 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 behave yeah yeah I couldn't believe how adding in the movement of the head from side to side with the breath held uh turbocharged the relaxation the feeling of relax yes. it was like you were there in 30 seconds completely relaxed 
Um, yes. I'd be very interested to see <laughs> with everyone listening, um, maybe pop a note in the comments or share on Instagram, uh, you know, what you felt there. But I just felt that that was such an incredibly powerful way to achieve relaxation very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we have this idea that to be relaxed and to be zen, we have to spend 20 years meditating in a cave. And I, I don't think so. I think we can do the work today, every day, some little things, and um, they have a huge impact on our life. Yeah, I'm really in favor of baby steps uh, that bring huge changes. And I, yeah. Because you, we've we've got everything inside ourselves. It's everything is inside. So it's just connecting on a regular basis will help it to unveil. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a natural movement of consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you teach sophrology. You help so many other people now. What does your personal practice look like on a day to day basis? Okay, so I'm a mom, so I have a five-year-old and I have my business. So sophology comes every day, but at different points during the day. Yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes I'll do it uh, last thing in the evening before bed when I'm already lying because I realize, oh gosh, it slipped through my mind today. But most day I will be in my office like I am now and I have a seat next to me that is my sophology chair. And I, I, I go to that chair and I practice there 5, 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes I need a longer session. So I will take an old recording of Alfonso Caicedo that I used to do a long time ago and really dive deeper into one level because I feel I need that, that time for myself. Um, and sometimes I'll practice in a taxi, uh, going to a meeting. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time with eyes closed in public transport <laughs> mm, yeah. because, you know, that, that's where that's where I get the time often. And that, yeah. that's where. Yeah. So I, I just adapt it. And I, it's, it's yeah, it's become a way of life. And I think if you practice for a while, I think there's other modalities that <clears throat> are, are part of practicing sophology. We talked about values, you know knowing that what I do in my daily life and the way I behave towards people or towards situation is aligned with what I believe in, yeah, for example. And that's also practicing sophology. It's, an, it's a state of awareness, yeah? It's, it's not piling up your, your agenda because you know that uh, you know yourself and I know I need, uh, I need weekends off and that, that's... A, a necessity for me if I want to be able to function as a mom and as a, an entrepreneur. So it's it's knowing, yes, I, unless this is a really like very important event I'd like to be part of, but otherwise weekends are, are not for working. Yeah. And that's, and I know why I do it. And I respect that because I know it's going to bring me so much more. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, that's also practicing sophology because the more aware you become of, who you are and what you need, then the more you try to organize your life around that, that those needs and those, those goals that you've set for yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for teaching us about sophrology. I was uh, intrigued to say the least, and it's definitely something I will be exploring. I love anything that helps us 
retrain, go inwards, focus, feel empowered, feel positive. Uh, I, I mean, you know, we can't do it enough, frankly. And to know that we can do this in a way that works for us, I really appreciate you sharing how it looked for you um, as a, a parent and a business owner, because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that's easy for her because she just teaches people about, you know, and you really just painted a very normal picture of a busy modern mum who runs her own business, uh, still finding a way to make it work. So I think that's also really important. Thank you Not so always, much. Huh? Not always. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Some days I don't get it. Yeah. Like everybody, yeah. I have bad days and like yeah. every mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But it's fine. It's acknowledging those. Yeah. It's acknowledging though, knowing that they happen 100%. and it's fine. We're just I, human. Yeah. Yeah. So. I always yeah. say we do what we do most of the time so we can go with the flow some of the time. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you, I really Alex. look forward to sharing this uh, with everybody. Please do uh, share this episode if you found it uh, useful to you. If you thought, oh my gosh, that was a really powerful exercise. Let a friend know about sophrology as well and connect to Dominique's work through the show notes. We have links to her book and all the um, social media links as well. So it'll be easy to start diving into it. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.